Welcome to this week's podcast from Student Ministries at Brookwood Church. Ryan, Chris, and Kevin are addressing a series on Netflix a lot of parents have been asking about, and it's very possible your son or daughter may have already seen it. Also, our associate care pastor of Celebrate Recovery, The Landing, and Brookwood Support Groups, Josh Masters, is joining us. He's going to let you know about some warning signs, what to do if there's a crisis, and what to do now before there is even a threat. The series, you probably already know what we're talking about. It's 13 Reasons Why. You do need to know this is very heavy subject matter, and we strongly suggest that you listen to this without your kids first because of what we're going to be talking about. Plus, this will be straight out of the Bible, our thoughts for today. So let's dive right in. Kevin, what is 13 Reasons Why? 13 Reasons Why is a new show that's out on Netflix. It deals with the life and death of Hannah Baker. Hannah is a high school student who goes through a series of traumatic events, both things that happen to her and things that she witnesses. In the end, she does choose to commit suicide, but before she does that, she leaves behind cassette tapes addressed to certain people in her life, and she speaks to them about the role that they played in her decision to take her own life. It's very raw, it's very graphic, And it deals with a lot of really heavy topics. There's always positive and negatives with every kind of show and series that's out there. So, Chris, first, tell us about the positives of this show and then dive in right into the negatives. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen in this show that happen in high school. Uh, We all watched it. We sat down, went through it. Um, There's bullying going on. There's a lot of language in this show. Uh, Some of us talked about how in our high schools there was more cussing and some said there were less. Uh, But what happens in this show... It happens. It happens in the real world. Some of the harder things we don't really see a lot of is the suicide and the rape, but they do happen. They're they're out there, and it's a hard issue that we're watching, but it's true. It happens. The next one is, it's a good story uh, from someone that likes sitting down, watching movies, likes uh, good scripts, uh, good books. We all sat down, and we were, again, we said, hey, this has a good story to it, so it's easy to watch. Um, and there's a lot of great conversation that happens from this show. Uh, you can sit down and talk to someone about, hey, what are your beliefs on this? Or what what did you see? And what did you get from this? As a parent with their student, there's a lot of great conversation that can take place if you're willing to, to have those conversations. Now, with that, there's also negatives. There, There's a lot of things. Uh, one, I know, Josh, you want to talk about real quick, but it's about, uh, at the end of it, Hannah wins. That's the kind of attitude you you pull from it. So what were, you, what were some things that you wanted to say about that? Yeah, I, I get the sense there's not a clear um, or accurate depiction of the mental state of someone who's hopeless enough to commit suicide. And I feel like the show really presents itself as more of a revenge show than a show about suicide. And so by committing suicide, Hannah wins. That I mean, that that's not true, of course. That's not true in real life. But that's how the show represents itself. She comes across as very sophisticated, very witty, very clever. And of course, teens that commit suicide can be all those things. But there's a danger in romanticizing it, I think is the word that you said when we were talking, um, because it comes across like this is a revenge show and she wins by committing suicide. And, and you don't win from that. And then talking about the suicide, this is a graphic show. Uh, Episode 9 has a rape scene. Uh, Episode 12 has, I would say, a worse rape scene. And then episode 13, you see her cutting her wrists, both of them, multiple times and bleeding out in the bathtub. What about your kids seeing this thing? Ryan? For fifth and sixth grade kids, I'd say no. That's not a good idea at all. Chris? Uh, Seven, eighth graders, I would say no. But, Rob, it's a hard topic. 
uh, because they've seen it. I, I've talked about uh, 13 Reasons Why. Uh, we're going through this Limitless series right now talking about these labels, and some of these kids have already seen it. So for parents, uh, if you don't know what your kids are watching, I encourage you, you need to be watching, uh, checking your Netflix history, look, looking at what they're uh, watching uh, because if they have, you need to talk to them right now about that show. Because if they've seen, like we talked about, episode 9, uh, 12, or 13, if they've watched that, you need to talk to them, especially a 7th, 8th grader. But I would say not right now. They should not see this show. How about the high school kids, Kevin? It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, Rob, where I would say every student should see the show. But high schoolers are living some of what we see played out on the screen. So I think with responsible parent interaction, watching it together, having intentional conversations about what's taking place in the show, I do think there is a place for high school students to uh, learn from some of what takes place in 13 Reasons Why. This leads us into some tips in watching the show for parents. So Ryan, what are some of those tips? Watch it first. You can read all the articles you want, but you don't really know what's in a show until you watch it yourself. I had heard of articles that say it glorified suicide it wasn't until I actually watched the show that I really, we all came to the conclusion that it doesn't really glorify it so much as romanticize it. So it's important to watch it yourself. This will also give you the opportunity to know what subjects you really want to hit with your student before going in if you decide to watch it with them. And now we realize that everyone is busy, so it would be a good idea to at least watch the episodes that depict and uh, the rape and the suicide first so that you can either fast forward or talk through that, whatever you need to do. Next tip Take it slow. The show is a suspense story. It's a revenge tale, so it'll be tempting to binge watch it to see what's going to happen next. Uh, that's not really a good idea. It's very dark and heavy subject material, so take the time to talk about what's happening, unpack the effects it's having on your student, and make sure that you're able to speak truth as the story unravels. The themes and emotions are complex and heavy, so getting a breath of fresh air is a very good idea. Uh, another tip... Ask your student, where does God fit into all of this? The show doesn't factor God into its world at all, but we as believers can say, you know what, a lot of bad things are happening, but God is still working in the midst of this. Bad things happen every day, and everything that happens in the show, and worse, has happened to someone. But we can talk about how God is in control no matter what's going on in our lives, and we can either run away from him or we can run to him, whether things are bad or whether things are good. And finally, reinforce family and community in your student's life. Obviously, that means being more involved with your student and with your family as a whole. It also means when we look at the show, Hannah has really bad friends. Hannah is very bad at choosing her friends, and that ends up biting her over and over and over again. So make sure that your student has really good friends, and I'm going to plug it. I mean, at Brookwood, we have small groups so that we can have adult leaders that pour into your student's life, and we we connect them with other students who are trying to follow God together. So if your student isn't already involved in a small group, and they are detaching, and uh, you're, you're seeing you know, odd behavior, getting them into a small group is a fantastic way to try to push them towards community and get positive influence in their life. Even if they don't uh, show signs of disconnecting or anything, that's still a great thing to have in their lives uh, just so they can stay on a healthy track. We have about three things that Josh is going to go over, but Josh, I'm curious, you did mention a little bit of your take, but what is your take on 13 Reasons Why? You know, again, I think that it's it's not a true 
portrayal of someone who's in a state of being suicidal for most people. But I would say since my friends went through whether or not the kids should watch it at any age, there probably is value in parents watching it, even if you're not going to let your kids watch it, because it will expose you to some issues and some struggles that your kids are facing at school that you may not know about because the culture may have changed since you were in school. And it does address you know, some pretty serious topics that happen in high schools. What are the warning signs we should be looking for? Yeah, some warning signs. Um, is there a change in the circle of your kids' friends? You know what I mean? Like, are their ch- friends changing? Or are they dropping friends? And of course, those things change naturally, but is it something dramatic? Is there dramatic mood changes? That's a very important indicator. Are there outbursts of anger or signs of depression? Those kinds of dramatic mood changes. When we talk about depression, it's important to note that more than 90% of teens that commit suicide, that take their life, Um, have some other mental health issue connected or alcohol or drug abuse. So those can be indicators as well. Obviously, this seems obvious, but any mention of wanting to die, sometimes people just toss that off as something someone's saying. But if someone is saying, I want to die, or there's no solution for my problems, or people would be better off without me, those are things that we should take seriously. They're not just things that people say. Um, A big one is loss of interest in things that they previously loved or start withdrawing from things that they loved. And also, have they recently experienced any significant loss? And another indicator is, are they giving their possessions away? Those are just some things that you can be looking for. What do you do if there's a crisis? You're facing it now. Well, the first thing I would say is make sure that you're having the conversations. A lot of parents don't want to bring up suicide because they're afraid that it's going to plant the idea in their kid's head. But that almost never happens. And you're almost never going to drive them. You're not going to drive them to that. So don't be afraid to bring up the topic. And don't be afraid to ask the big question. A lot of times um, we'll say the question to ask is, do you have a plan? If someone says, I'm going to kill myself, well, do you have a plan to do that? I just came back from a mental health uh, conference actually this last weekend, and they were saying, you should actually look for three things. And it's, do you have a plan? Do you have a timeline? Or do you have a method? Right? Because at some point, they have all three of those, but they could be working on any of them if they're seriously considering killing themselves. So ask for any of those. And if they have a timeline, but don't know how they're going to do it, it's still a problem right? So is there a timeline? Is there a method? Or is there a plan? And if the answer to any of those is yes, you need to not leave the student alone. You need to not leave your child alone. Now you're in crisis mode. And you have to take immediate action. So 911, if if they have any of those things, the immediate thing is to make sure that the child is safe in that moment. So whether they want you to or not, you call 911, you get them to an emergency room, and uh, you make sure that they get immediate intervention. After that, after they come back, after they've been assessed, after the initial crisis, you want to make sure that you follow up and supervise, which means ongoing treatment, not just for the teen, but for the entire family. You're all going to be affected. So that means you all need support. So you need counseling for the teen, but you're also going to need counseling for you and your spouse and and any siblings, possibly. So make sure the whole family is getting support and evaluate your environment. You know, there may need to be changes to your environment to create a healthy place for your family. And then be loving and persistent. Don't lecture your teen after the crisis has happened, but you need to stay involved, right? You need to be involved in supervising from that time on. And then get them involved in community. 
and get yourself involved in community because that's where the healing is going to happen. So those are sort of the steps after the immediate crisis. So what can you do before there's even a threat? That's the ideal, right? The ideal is that we are building relationships and community within our family and within our community um, that prevent these thoughts from ever coming up. So I would say a couple of things is be involved in every aspect of your child's life. That doesn't mean hover. It doesn't mean be controlling. It doesn't mean that you don't let them grow and make decisions, but it does mean that you're involved. It means that you know who their friends are. Like Chris said, you know what they're watching on television, that you know their ministry leaders in their church functions, that you know their teachers, um, that you know their friends, right? Like I, I would ask Kevin, like, how important is it to you that the parents are involved with the high school students. It's incredibly important. I mean, you need to be tuned in so that you know what's going on. And and that takes intentional effort. It's something that has to be worked at on a daily basis. And that's another one of the parts of the show that is very alarming is a lot of the parents in the show are very disconnected from their kids. Uh, They just have kind of a passing interest in what their kids are doing at any given moment. And when their kids' lives are falling apart around them, some of them see it but are powerless to do anything about it or to really enter into their kids' pain. Others are completely oblivious. So the show definitely has value in being a wake-up call to everyone. And I I would also add in terms of being preventative – Um, Rob, you said we're going to look at this from a biblical perspective. Well, the family is a model of the church, right? And so sometimes uh, parents or or siblings or family members think, well, each person's spiritual journey is their own, and we need to let them develop their relationship with Christ on their own. Well, that's true to a certain extent, but just as the family is a model of the church, there's individual growth, but there's also corporate growth. Like, what are you doing as a family to connect with God and to be in community together? Like, do that together, because the more you grow together and the more things that you're doing openly, the better the communication is going to be. So that will allow you to model a safe environment to talk about your struggles, including your own. Communication is a two-way street. Guess what? Your kids know you're not perfect. And so there's value to them seeing how you overcome your struggles rather than you hiding your struggles from the kid and trying to protect them from that. Because that's not protection. That's danger. Because then they're not going to learn how to deal with their own problems. So be honest about your own struggles and also deal with your own stuff. And obviously, when you're sharing your struggles with your kids, it's got to be in an appropriate way, in an age-appropriate way. And there's some things you don't share with your kid. But I'm talking about building a community in your family where it's okay to talk about your struggles and admit you have struggles and that you help one another walk through them. So if you would like to have further conversation about this, uh, we are here to help. That's our whole model in our family ministry is that you are the primary influence, the primary teacher for your student. We are here to come alongside you and partner with you in that. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at students at brookwoodchurch.org. We would love to be a resource to you. And if you'd like to reach out to Josh and the care department, you can get a hold of them. Josh, what's the way to do that? Uh, you can just call 688-8355, or you can email careministries at brookwoodchurch.org. We've got lots of resources that we can help you with. We have The Landing, which is a support ministry for teens, not just for drug and alcohol, but just for being a teen. You know, that's that's struggle enough. Um, and we have kids that come to The Landing. The adult version of The Landing is Celebrate Recovery, You know, you can help your kids by dealing with your own struggles. So you may want to check out Celebrate Recovery or our other support groups. You can also go online and you can get on youth.gov. There's some good 
information, national information on child suicide, and then you know get the suicide hotline if you need that as well. But call us at the care department. We can give you any information that will support you. We have a PDF attached to this email and on the website that you might want to share with other parents to help them out. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you Sunday at Brookwood Church.